Hey, thanks for joining us. You're about to hear a message that was recorded live at Redemption Church in Crossville, Tennessee. We're excited about all the amazing things God is doing here on the plateau. So for more information, visit our website, CrossvilleRedemptionChurch.com. All right, let's, uh, I'm going to tell you, I'm, really quick, I'm going to tell you something really cool the Lord told me. The other day, so in our leadership meeting, we've been trying to figure out what we're going to do with all you guys, like, because we're getting crowded. And uh, we've had people be like, hey, you may need to think about having another service or doing all of that. And so uh, there's just been this real serious, adamant pushback against that idea. And none of us, nobody wants that to happen. And it's not going to happen. So, uh, but, but I'm going to tell you what, I was driving down the road the other day and just kind of praying about the direction of the church and what's happening and, you know, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of things, a lot of things are happening. And the Lord said, I just out of the blue, the Lord speaks to me and he says, uh, when, when your family gathers for dinner, you don't eat in shifts. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's right, Lord. He said, well, you do. I said, we squeeze in. We squeeze in. So we're going to squeeze in because I, I'm not sure what we're going to do with everybody that the Lord brings in, but, you know, right now what we're going to look at doing, we're actually going to get some chairs. We're going to start going through and, and just replacing the pews with chairs. Um, and I'm not exactly sure how that's going to look, but, uh, but I'm excited because the Lord's growing us, and I think he's given us a vision for the future. And I also think that he's also showing us how we can be who we are and do what we do because that's the reality of it. Uh, just because we grow don't mean we have to change. We don't have to change, right? Just because we grow don't mean we have to change. And we're a family. We're going to be a family, and we're going to eat together. Amen? So we eat together. And until the Lord tells us to do something different. So, so just know, that, just know that, that you may have to squeeze in a little bit, right? And, and hopefully in the next sometime future we'll be getting chairs. All right, open up to 2 Corinthians. Open up to 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5, we're going to just springboard off of this really quick. Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Starting today, we're going to dismiss any toddlers who want a toddler class 3 to 5-ish, 3 to 5-ish. Go with Miss Megan. If you can help out with that rotation, listen, we will love you forever. That's the honest truth. <laughs> we'll love you forever anyway. But we really need help with that. And if we, if we can get enough people in a rotation, nobody will have to be stuck out there every week, right? And Megan said that she would kick it off this week. And um, so uh, we'll dismiss them. You guys will have to help me remember. We'll dismiss them after worship. Okay? So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. It says, for the love of Christ controls us, 
having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. Verse 15, it says, And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. And so this, for a couple of weeks, we've been talking, we've been digging into this scripture. And last week we talked about Romans chapter 6 and how Paul really brings in the fact that we're dead to sin. Listen, guys, as, as his children, today we are new creatures. And that means a lot, that, that can mean a lot of different things. But God is moving us into a, into a new season, even in our lives, even as seasoned believers. God is moving us into a new season. And so uh, we're going to look at this in verse 15. It says, um, He died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. And it's really only as we're living for him that we are a new creature. Uh, that's the new life, right? Because the old life is me living for myself. Nothing's really changed about that. When I live for myself, it smells just like it used to. Are you following me? But it's when I step into the new life, when I step into living my life for Him, that everything changes. Everything changes. And, I wanna, and so we're going to dig into that today. What does that look like? What does it mean when we talk about all these religious terms like Jesus being Lord and His Lordship? And I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to say that negatively, but I'm just saying that sometimes we throw out these terms and we never really look at what it means to us practically. What does it mean to us practically to walk and live our life in His Lordship? What does it mean? We're going to look this morning, I want you to look uh, at Luke chapter 9. And I'm not going to be long, I promise. I'm going to move right on through this. We've already had a pretty good time this morning. And I'm, I'm going to start in verse 18. Because there's a, there's a foundation to this, there's a premise to this that we have to establish. It says in verse 18, and it, and it happened that while he, this being Jesus, and it happened that while Jesus was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he questioned them, saying, Who do people say that I am? And they answered and said, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, but others that one of the prophets of old has arisen. And he said to them, and I want you to look at this, but who do you say I am? And today, I want you to know that you cannot progress into his lordship until you know who he is. There are a lot of voices around us that try to tell us who he is. Some of those voices are right, some of them are wrong. And I think that it's easy for us to, you know, it's easy for us to respond out of kind of what the... The, the group is saying, well, who do you say that I am? He says, well, you know, some say you're this, some say you're that, this, that. But Jesus looks at them and he says, no, 
who do you say I am? Because, and there's a, there's, a, there's a building here, because we can't really go farther in what he's fixing to tell them until we understand who he is. And when you understand who he is, it demands that you go farther in what he says. So Jesus asked him, he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and he said, you're Christ. You are the Christ of God. And it's hard for me to not be sporadic in this message right here because, listen, when, when he asks, when we come to the reality of who he is and your heart, in your heart, your response is, you're the Christ, you are the Son of God, you're the Christ, then that automatically, if we really believe that, it automatically brings us to his lordship. It brings us to that place where I cannot believe that he is who he is and go my own way. Are you following me? And so that's where this progression, this is what he's saying to them. He says, he says but who do you say I am? And Peter answered and he said, you're the Christ of God. But he warned them and then he instructed them not to tell this to anyone saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised up on the third day. And then I want you to look in verse 23. This is where we're going to focus for just a minute. It says, And he was saying to them all. So who was he saying this to? All. Everybody. Listen, this is a universal, this is a universal word. He was saying to them all. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Okay, so look at what's happening. Number one, he says this is to everybody. And then he says, if anybody wants to come after me. And my question to you today is, do you want to come after him? It's your decision. I can't make that for you, and we can't make that for each other. It would be wonderful if we could. But, but today I think he's asking us... Do you want to come after me? Do you want the things that I have for your life? Do you want the fullness of the kingdom of God? Do you, do you want the life abundantly that he says what he has for us? And so he says, if anybody wants to come after me, then he begins to tell us what this looks like in a practical way. He says he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, that's a curious statement and, and one that I have, I have pondered a whole lot. And all of a sudden, I began asking the Lord. I said, okay, Lord, you said if we were going to come after you, then we have to deny ourselves. That means, listen, it's not about me and you. There's only, there's only one king in the kingdom. There's only one Lord. Everything else is, is little L's, right? There's only one capital L. And so he, he tells us, he says, if you're going to come after me, then the number one thing you have to do is deny yourself. You know, last week I told you that, about, that part of the idea of lordship is, is being honest. Sometimes we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to deny ourselves. We have to recognize that we're all prone to go our own way. 
That's the reality. Isaiah 53 tells us that. Each is went his own way. We've all gone astray. And the Lord, the Lord come in and redeemed that. But it's our, our old nature is to always go its own way. I wish the Lord would come and just zap me and that wouldn't be the case. I wish he would zap you. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? It'd be nice if our own way just gone. No more. It doesn't work that way. He says, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And I believe that this is a directly correlated to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where it says that he died so that those who live with him no longer live for themselves, but we live for him. And I want to talk to you for just a minute about the cross. What does it mean for us to take up our cross? Most of my life I've thought that that was some hideous and dark thing. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to talk. I want to be honest. That we have, we have pushed away from the cross because of what we recognize it to mean, what Jesus did for us, the, 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 the magnitude of the suffering and, and, and the, the depth that he went to pay for us. And I, I want you to notice that there's something really cool, cool here that Jesus makes this cross personal. He didn't say, and this is important, Jesus, from his personal standpoint, he didn't say that we have to take up his cross. That's important. He said we have to take up our cross. And so this morning I'm going to plant a seed. I, there's no way we could even develop all of this. But it's part of where we've been going on Wednesday night with Isaiah 53. And I want to tell you that I believe that the cross is a beautiful exchange point. And if we will come to our cross, and I'm going to, I'm going to show you something really cool here. If, if we'll come to our cross, if we'll look through the, the blood and the suffering and the agony of His cross, we will find that our cross, when we take it up, has none of that because he paid the debt in full. Now, listen, I'm not here to preach you some prosperity message where you're gonna, everything's going to be perfect in your life and you're not going to have problems. But I am here to preach to you that there was a cross on Calvary where he paid the price for everything you need in your life. And when we see our cross... He says, take up your cross, Jerry. When I come to my cross, I realize he's already been there. And all of, the, all of the guilt and the shame and the punishment that should be at my cross is no longer there. I find the gate to a beautiful kingdom of life and peace and health, of well-being. That's what I find. And it becomes, and, that, and listen, this is what Paul said. Paul said, I work out my salvation daily. Because every day I come to him and I'm like, Lord, how do I walk in this? We, listen, and, and what you find is, is that Friday night we should not be here. I couldn't, I've tried, to, my wife's probably tired of hearing about the wreck. Because I am so amazed that I am alive. And... <laughs> But not really, right? That's right, but not really. But I realized that God had went before me. I realized that Isaiah 53 and Psalm 91 and all of these things, all of these, these, these principles of the kingdom 
they go before us. And as it gets ingrained in my heart, I'm learning to live in that. I woke up Saturday morning, and I told you I was going to hurry up, and here I am down a rabbit trail. But I woke up Saturday morning, and I'm like, I mean, you go through all the religious processing. I'm like, well, you know, we didn't even pray before we left, and that would have been a great idea. Uh, you know, maybe next time we will. Uh, but, but I realized, but, but, but listen, I realized this thought went through my mind so incredibly. It was from the Lord. This thought went through my mind. But you were with us. You are with us. And I start living my life in the awareness that God is with me. That's what I find at my cross. I find, listen, it's not easy. God's not going to make it easy for you to come to your cross. But he'll make it beautiful when you take it up. I want to show you, I, I'm going to show you Luke chapter 22. So, so you have to go with me. We're going to, I'm going to push you to think about this, okay? So Isaiah 53 tells us that all of the suffering, the shame, the sin, the, 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 the brokenness, all of the penalty for that was paid in full, right? Are we all on, okay with that? So if there's anything left of that, then that's left for me, then that sacrifice was not sufficient. Right? Either it was or it wasn't. Did the cross undo the penalty of sin? That's weak. There needs to be an emphatic yes in us, guys, that yes, the cross did undo the penalty of sin. Do we see all of that rolled out today? No. But we're walking in it. We're learning to walk in it. So what, I'm, what, I, what I want you to communicate, what I want you to start seeing here is, is that all of that is paid for. There can't be any of that at your cross. Do you know how many people I've talked to? This uh, pet peeve, another rabbit trail, but I'm sorry I have to go here. Because it's such a misrepresentation of the Lord. But do you know how many Christian people I've talked to that, won't, that will tell you how hard it is to serve the Lord? I want you to know that it, there has never been one day of my life that it's been hard to serve the Lord. Now, sometimes it's hard to take His Lordship in situations because I'm in a struggle. Me wants to go this way and Him wants to go that, right? Me and Him don't always want the same things. And the more that I've chose His way in my life, the more I've realized my way is destructive. Are you following me? But I want to tell you that it is not hard to serve the Lord. It is beautiful to serve the Lord. It is the most glorious, peaceful freedom you will ever experience in your life to just live your life in abandonment to Him. I'm so tired of that. Don't ever tell me it's hard to serve the Lord. It's never hard to serve. How can it be hard to give up your garbage for His beauty? How can that be hard? Except we think our garbage is valuable. Right? We, we somehow have convinced ourselves that this bag of garbage we carry around with us is valuable. And it's not. So what is left of the cross? Now think about, are you following me? I know I'm interjecting a lot of thoughts here, but Jesus is telling us that there is something left of the cross. He says we have to take up our cross. But when we look at this, we see that all the, all the penalty has been paid. Following me? 
So what is left of the cross that is mine to take up? And I want to show you, I'm going to show you the greatest aspect of Jesus' cross. The greatest aspect of Jesus' cross was not actually the suffering that he endured on the cross. It was his obedience to go to the cross. And for us, the cross represents obedience. It represents lordship. Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Talking about Jesus, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it says, He came out and he proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples also followed him. And when he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, throw, and he knelt down and he began to pray. Now look at what he prays. In verse 42 he says, says, saying, Father, if you're willing to remove this cup from me, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. But what was the next statement? Yet not my will, but yours be done. That sounds like 2 Corinthians chapter 5, doesn't it? That he died so that those who died with him, what? We no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him. You see, this was, the, this was the pivotal moment for human. It wasn't the moment when they drove the nail into his hand. It wasn't every lash that hit his back. The moment was the moment he said, not my will. That moment where he said, not my will but yours be done. And I want you to look at what happens. Okay, he says, So, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. In verse 43, And now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And I want to tell you that God will not always lessen, He will not always lessen the decision to come to His Lordship. But when you choose it, grace is unleashed on your life. The grace and the mercy and the power of God is released in us to walk in that lordship. But we have to choose. You see, today, every one of us have to choose. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And it's as we learn to walk in His will. It's as we learn... That's what His Lordship looks like. His Lordship looks like, look, looks like in the decisions that I have to make is saying, Lord, what's pleasing to you? And now I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that by any means I, I always get that right because a lot of times I don't. But it is the aim of my life is to say, Lord, what's pleasing to you? What is pleasing to you? And I want to tell you, I want to leave you with, with one scripture that the Lord spoke to me, and I'm going to close it up right here. Are you guys getting this? Yes. That your cross, when he says to you, take up your cross, when, how? Daily. It'd be not, like I said, it'd be nice if, if me could just be wiped out and every day I just knew that I was going to choose his will. But every day is a new day. Every day is a new day for an opportunity. Now, the beauty of that is, is that if I missed it yesterday... I got a fresh shot at it today, right? <laughs> Behold, all things have passed away. Old things are passed away. All things are new. Today's new. I don't care what happened yesterday. I'm going to shoot for his will today. 
The other side of the coin is, is if I hit it yesterday, it doesn't necessarily guarantee that I'm going to hit it today. I have to come afresh and anew. But, but I believe God wants to release strength in our life, just like the angels. Once Jesus made that decision, listen, they didn't show up until Jesus made the decision. He said, not my will, but yours be done. But the minute he said that, what happened? Heaven was released for him to strengthen him, and he could carry on. I always thought, and I want you to hear me. We talk, oh, it's hard to serve the Lord, to go back to that. I always thought that Jesus, I knew God, I knew he loved me, but I always thought it was hard on him. I thought he really had to make himself love me. No, I'm being serious. It's like I knew he loved me, but, but, but I thought he really just had to make himself love me. And one day, out of the blue, he said, Jerry, it was for the joy set before me. Hebrews 12, 2. He said, Jerry, it was for the joy set before me that I endured the cross. And he said, I want you to know that it is a joy for me to love you. Nobody's twisting my arm. Nobody's making me love you. Nobody's, nobody's manipulating me. I'm like, Lord, I'm one of the, I have to be one of the most screwed up, broken people in the world. Uh, how can you do that? How can you do that? I don't know. Every day I wake up. Every day I wake up and I live my life in the wonder and amazement that He would love me. I don't know why. I have no idea. He says, Jerry, it's for the joy set before me. And I want to tell you that, that there is a joy in us taking up our cross. It is beautiful. It is a beautiful exchange. If you will find, if you will, if you'll just make that decision, you will find that there is nothing but kingdom released in your life. The debt's paid today. The debt is paid. Stand up with me if you will. Thanks for listening to this awesome message recorded live at Redemption Church here in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information on our church, directions, service times, or other latest happenings, visit our website, crossvilleredemptionchurch.com.